What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Hey, What You Watching, the weekly podcast where Marcelo Pico and I discuss the films we've been watching. This is episode 45, Podcast Wide Shut, and I'm your host, Matt Curione, and with me as usual is... Hey, it's your co-host, Marcelo Pico. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. It's It's been a long time since, it we've, has. since we've last recorded together well it's been about two weeks uh, just about about yeah uh, yeah um i mean we, we're so used to recording weekly you know every yeah. tuesday or wednesday but yeah Except this last week was a nightmare terror hole <laughs> and uh hopefully we can recover from it hopefully so um i know i mean we're, we're recording this a week after the election and mm-hmm. yeah um i think it's a good thing we didn't record uh, on election night or the day after election, because night. if we did, uh, we would definitely get that explicit tag. Yeah, on iTunes. Um, I was in the worst mood I've been in since. Uh, well, since my, <laughs> I mean, my my 2016 has not been great. Yeah, you, know? you were uh, you were a regular old cranky Jenkins. I mean, last week. To, just to be completely honest, uh, I had a big breakup earlier this year, and I don't know what was worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I handled them both pretty terribly. Terribly, so it, I can I can attest to this. Uh, yeah, so I I feel better now. Um, I'm I'm in higher spirits. I mean, I'm not completely. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean the 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 thing about it is, and I was thinking of recording a new intro for that podcast we released last week. Yeah, but I I I figured you know not to delve too deep into it. Um, but I I'm kind of reinvigorated in the political process, and I hope other people listening to this are. Um, get more involved, people. You know, yeah. right now you're uh, you're regular Blair. You're all better now. <laughs> I mean, it, it just just look up uh, your local. You know, uh, don't just vote in the in the presidential election. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, you got to vote every election. Be, you be more make involved. Make, you know, make change that way. Protest, sign petitions, do everything you possibly can. Don't just sit there like a fucking I don't know. What's what's bump the, on a log? Bump on a log. I forgot what. There the, you go. I was gonna say raisin on a log, but that's like peanut butter. That's a food. That's a delicious <laughs> food. You would want to be a delicious food. You don't want to be a bump on a log. Don't be a bump on a log. So that be a ra- be a be an ant on a log, that, which is a delicious raisin with peanut butter and celery, <laughs> or a pretzel, perhaps. That's, some people do it with the pretzels. Uh, and we'll discuss this further on our food podcast. Which, which and some people like their cucumbers pickled. <laughs> I guess my main point after you know all this is, hey, be more involved in politics because give a give a hoot, read a book, give a hoot. You know why don't you? Um, that's that's my <laughs> message. And you know, it, it only took electing the the worst you know person in history, a, mo- <laughs> a monster of a human being, for us to you know uh, be awake to what's happening in our system. So yeah, um, some- much, much like much like Zootopia, we are all woke right now. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, <laughs> Quote Alfred from Batman Begins, why do we fall, Master Wayne? To pick ourselves back up? 
And who's that voice? We'll find out in a bit. It was uh, a ghost. We're haunted right now. <laughs> Again, so many ghosts in this podcast. Uh, but yeah. Um, we will survive. We will survive. So that's that's the big impression I have after all this. Um, things things will get better, but only if we're active. So that's all I have to yeah. say about that. And yeah, I'm going to say fuck Trump every once in a while. It's going to happen. For the next <laughs> well, four yeah, years. I mean, it's, it's, it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. But yeah, but, but for now, I, th- I think we're back. We're here to entertain the masses out there, whoever listens to this stupid yes. podcast. And yeah, um, you know, and I, I'll say this to transition into something else, Matt. It's something more pleasing than the election. Um, and and this is where I would edit this out if things go horribly wrong, which I don't think they will. God, I hope not. Jesus, <laughs> I but, might cry. <laughs> one thing that's been helping me, you know, recover from the election is uh, focusing on the website. Um, oh. We have been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and now, by the time people are listening to this, and again, I have to emphasize, if things go horribly wrong, you will not be hearing this. This will be edited no, out. <laughs> but if things go right, you listen to this, and you're on the website right now, reading all the great content we have up by amazing people um, on TalkFromSociety.com. So... Yes, uh, I mean we're on the eve. Me and Matt uh, and Rob Trench and, and all the writers on the TalkFromSociety.com website. We're on the eve of the launch, and tomorrow, Thursday, from this recording, it's it's going to go live. So yeah, it's it's an exciting time right now, Matt. What a time to be alive! <laughs> what a time to be alive! So yeah, uh, we're in high spirits and and we're in a good mood to record this podcast. So that's 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 intro done. I mean, we've we, we've we've caught end, up. End of list. End of list. That's politics. The websites. Let's let's move on to the the sandwich of a podcast. Let, let's go to the bread. Um, what are we going to be discussing on the show this week, Matt? It's usually called Matt's Riddle Corner, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a week and a half since we've done this, so hey, riddle me this, Matt. What's on the show this week? What? I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm fucking with you. Anyway, uh, welcome back to Matt's Riddle Corner, uh, where I give cryptic clues about what films we're going to be discussing. This week, we're going to be hanging out with Amy Adams and uh, Jeremy Renner in a field somewhere with a giant rock. And then we're going to follow a child through adulthood. Yes? That's what that movie's about? Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. And then we're going to hang out with Benedict Cumberbatch with uh, some cool powers for a little bit. Then we're going to go back to the 60s uh, with a caped crusader. And then we're going to do a modern version of David Fincher's The Game. And then we're going to talk about a extended version of a spooky, spooky movie. And then we're going to go back to our old standby, Mr. Michael Mann. And then we're going to talk about a uh, very underrated Ron Howard film. And then we're going to go back to the Chaplin days. That's a good hint, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then we'll all be loving each other. Uh, that's that's the title of the movie. Uh, and <laughs> Real subtle. <laughs> and then we'll be doing uh, De Palma once again. And then we'll be talking uh, about a Wachowski film. And then we're going to be talking about Stanley Kubrick's last picture. And then we're going to all fall in love with a witch. And then uh, simply we're just going to talk about some blood. <laughs> um so yeah, that's that was another another great Matt's Vittle corner. Good job. Matt. No, it wasn't. That was terrible. I'm very rusty. <laughs> Again, Don't it's, it's, it's me. been like a week and a half, two weeks since we've recorded. So, hey, if it that amount of time, you would be able to prepare better. <laughs> Who's that ghost, Matt? Uh, reveal who that ghost is. 
it's not a ghost it's a guest this week we are joined uh we're joined by ariel rocks uh how you doing tonight i am doing well and it's pronounced ariel rocks five if you will (laughs) so there's a number at the end yes there's a number five yes Uh, people tend to overlook that about me they i'm the fifth version like the other four were failed tested and i'm the one that perfected well perfected using quotations and you're the one that escaped Yes, actually. Okay, don't, good. Fantastic. 21. <laughs> you got to keep that door locked on the lab. I keep telling people that. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, Ariel. Um, uh, no problem. I mean, it's uh, you, you've come on a great night. I mean, Matt, like I said, Matt and I are ready to podcast and screw all these cobwebs. We're 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 set now, Matt. Right? We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it all. Let's now. Now I'm gonna, doing it live. <laughs> gonna, gonna toss it to you, Matt. Are you ready? Are you ready for this, Matt? So ready for this. It's time for Matt's patented segment, Getting to Know You. Yes, this is the segment called Getting to Know You, where we get to know our guests to make sure they're not just some robot sent from the future. How'd you know? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's start off. I ask this of a lot of guests. Um, Ariel, what is the first film you remember seeing in a movie theater? Oh, I want to say... It's a toss-up between Monsters, Inc., and I think maybe Ice Age. I can't remember exactly, but it's definitely Monsters, Inc. That's the one I always remembered. I love that movie so much. I've seen that movie more times than, like, anyone else on the planet. I could legitimately recite the entire movie right here on this podcast just purely by memory. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fun fact, that's actually my father's favorite Pixar film. Really? Cool. Oh, yes. He he loves Monsters, Inc. so so damn much (laughs) awesome um marcelo do you have a question yes uh how about this ariel um uh what has and and i always come up with these on the fly and i'm not usually very good at them um it shows (laughs) what's the uh what's the last film you've seen that you thought the cinematography was except was exceptional in oh that's a good question are we talking like modern films or just films in general films in general I will say, uh, one of the movies we're going to be talking about uh, in a bit has some exceptional comedy, but I think the first movie we're going to talk about is Arrival, which I felt was, like, the first scene where you see the alien ship was, like, some of the, one of the best, like, one-take reveal shots I think I've seen in a good long while, and, like, from the interior shots to the outside shots to, like, everything about it just looked incredibly... It's a weird description. It's, like, both realistic and really stylistic at the same time Mm. it's it it makes sense if you've seen the movie i i'm just i'm really bad at cocking on the fly it works better if i had some notes (laughs) also i'm sorry if my voice kind of cracks up a bit when i'm talking for long it's it's kind of a thing i have we we promise not to go for three hours which is our usual (laughs) one time uh but yeah i i love the cinematography in arrival um bradford young Yes, so good. He is the best. Yeah, Uh, Selma, a most violent year, Uh, and I I love Ain't Them Body Saints. Which I need to see that. It's I I remember the cinematography more than the movie, which which should tell you (laughs) something. I think Mm -hmm. you should definitely go see it, Matt. But yeah, it's it's a pretty movie. It's it's nice. nice. Um, But yeah, uh, we'll talk about Arrival more in depth in a bit. Uh, Matt, do you have another question? I would like to answer that cinematography question. I always do that, where I don't yeah. allow you to answer the question. Because so. you're a jerk. <laughs> it's like, I don't care what you have to say, Matt. 
I know because you're the worst. You're the worst person. Hey Matt, what uh, what's uh, what's your favorite cinematography in a movie you've seen recently? Recently, um, well, we're going to talk about one of them on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> it's, see, it's not a great question. So let me let me rejigger the question. Um, what is the best cinema? What's my favorite cinematography? Like, yeah, what is what's, the what's your movie I've ever seen? Yeah, what's the prettiest movie you've ever seen? And Ariel, th- I'll, I'll toss it back to you after my answer to this. The Thin Red Line. Okay, that's a good answer. Uh, that's uh, a movie where just simple like screenshots of it can like make me burst into tears. Yeah, that's a gorgeous movie. It's I, beautiful. <laughs> it's uh, amazing. I need to rewatch all of Malik. Actually, I, I, I'm due for a Malik rewatch of everything. Mm-hmm, me too. To check out some of his work for a while now. If you like pretty things, then you're going to love his movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ariel. What's what's your favorite cinematography in a movie? That's a really hard question. Um, I honestly say it's a toss up between this. I mean, it's a toss up between free movies off the top of my head: Synecdoche, New York, okay. Moonrise Kingdom, and this really obscure Hungarian thriller called Controlled. Hmm. Now, the reason why Control stands out to me a lot was actually it's the first foreign, like, real foreign movie I ever watched. Okay. It's um, about a guy who lives in the subway as a um, – you know how you usually have people that check your pat- – see if you have passes and if you don't, you ask them to kindly leave off? Yeah, yeah. It's about, like, a group of those people, but at the same time, in the background, there's this serial killer running around pushing people onto the trains. It's called Controlled? I need to look this up. This sounds yeah. cool. And it's uh, it's very like dreamlike and aesthetic in terms of like aesthetic and cinematography. And there's a lot of like really cool shots where it's just like going around the camera and you're like, make, it makes a subway look visually interesting. And I've never really seen that done before. Hmm. And there's a especially great scene. I think it's one of the dream sequences with the main character where he's just going out onto one of the tracks and like walks in and goes inside this whole thing with a flare. And it's just like. It's a, it's just the simplest thing of a guy going into a manhole with a flare, and it looks phenomenal. Nice. I need to look into this movie. Yeah, that sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, because that's like the first time I think I've felt like genuinely appreciative of technicality in filmmaking. Because mm-hmm. like I was just I was just sitting there in my room. I think I was a uh, fourteen or so. Uh, it was like late at night, and I was just sitting there. At my my we're staring at my tiny TV and just like. I think it was the shot towards the end where the house just kind of gets caught up in the river. Yeah. Where I was just like, that is a beautiful shot right there. That is like the pinnacle of like what this movie is. And then like the final shot before the final moments of the film where they're at the church and he's holding on. That was like the point where I realized this is the point where I realized, realized I love the art of filmmaking when it comes to this kind of stuff. And Synecdoche is an interesting story because this is the most recent one. I've seen in that I just stared at my my computer, I think, or my TV, and just dumbfounded at what I was looking at as far as like technicality goes, and the fact that it came out in 2008 because I've never seen something capture the inner workings of a creative mind so well, especially towards when they enter the warehouse, as you see the plays and the sets being constructed yeah i need to i need to see that movie oh my god it is 
one of the best movies. I don't say this very often, like when it comes to like in general. I just say like something like is my favorite or yeah, yeah, it's really good. But this is like one of the best movies you could ever watch. It's got it all like really good acting, a really deep methodical narrative. It's it's just, again, it's one of those things. Like it's just the simplest thing of a guy wants to create a, a, the greatest play on earth by recreating all of New York City, and yet. <laughs> It's the execution of it and the way it looks and the way it's presented that makes it so compelling. And it's a there's a shot towards the end where he's just walking around the set at what he's created, and what is normally like a scene of genuine happiness for someone is looked upon with this real sense of dread and sorrow. So again, it's one of those moments where I realize, yeah, this is why I love movies. This is why I love this kind of stuff. Nice. I'm sorry for rambling so long. It's just oh no, it's it's perfectly fine. Yeah. All right, then. it's part of the show. Um, and, hey, and for me, Soderbergh, anything Soderbergh does, uh, really, so, yeah, cinematography wise. Um, Contagion has maybe like some of my favorite cinematography in it. Oh yeah, he does. He, he does, does great wow. work. Yeah, and anything in the Magic Mike movies um, <laughs> is his Not- cinematography in Double uh, XL is, is oh, it's spot on, jaw dropping. Um, uh, I'm also a real big fan of his work in uh, Che and Traffic. I yes, think yeah. his cinematography and those are like insane. Like the way he did like color coding for Traffic to separate all the separate stories. I thought that was pretty brilliant. Yeah, and and the Nick is probably the most. Well, it's probably tied with Hack Hannibal as the most gorgeous looking TV show. Uh, yeah, like uh, visually, visually arresting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Soderbergh uh, all the way. Um, okay, Matt. Now are we are we good and clear with that question? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, do you have another one? I don't. Okay. <gasps> I think I think we've sufficiently known uh, who our guest is, right? Yes, Arrow Rocks Five. <laughs> yes. And for those of you who don't know who I am, I review stuff on Letterboxd. Yes. Good. To All know. right. Now I think it's time for the the main portion of the show. Yeah, the meat of the sandwich. The meat of the sandwich. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, what have we watched in the past week? Um, something something has a has a has arrived. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's a, segue. a transition. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Arrival. Yes, um, we all saw Arrival. Yes. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I didn't. I lied. Oh man. Right, we're ending the show. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I did see it. Um, can any of you pronounce the director's name correctly? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, if only Rob was here. Rob Trench. <laughs> Well, he's he's Canadian. He is Canadian. So he the can... director's Canadian as well. Uh, D- Denise Villeneuve. Nope, that's not right. Give me a second. Uh, Denise Villeneuve. Yeah, Denise Villeneuve. 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 We'll try that. It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, Denise. Um, but yes, his newest arrival, starring yes Amy Adams, Jamie Renner, Forrest, Forrest Whitaker. Whitaker. Aliens arrive. That's the, that's and before the, any of you ask, yes, he does have Forrest Whitaker eye. Yes. <laughs> uh, which we'll do until everyone needed to know about Arrival. <laughs> I explained, I had a friend today, tonight, ask me uh, what I thought of Arrival. And I said it was Independence Day made by someone with a brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually fairly accurate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. This is like the intelligent way that that story would go about. Yeah, you're you're right on point. <laughs> It, it makes complete sense. Um, uh, where to begin? Marcel, with this? Marcelo, I, you go first. What did you think of Arrival? Okay, so I walked. I'm, I'm going to tell a quick story, 
if you don't mind. A kind of a tangent. Oh, I'm I'm sitting down. I'm ready for story time. Because this is the first time this has happened to me, um, this experience. Um, so I went to see this on a Saturday night alone. I don't usually do that. I usually just where see Where'd you see it? <sighs> don't make me say it, man. <laughs> Where, where'd you see it, jerk? I uh, saw it uh, at the Alamo Draft House. Of course you fucking did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Alamo Draft House. Um, where dreams are made. Dreams are made. Uh, I, so, yeah. So, Saturday night at the Draft House. And I usually see movies by myself, like, on Sunday afternoons or during the weekdays, where it's, like, less busy and uh, less obno- obnoxious people. But... I don't know why uh, I saw about it. that. Yeah, I but yeah, I don't know why I did this Saturday night viewing because this happened. Um, guy sitting two seats next to me uh, before the movie began, I could smell the alcohol on him. He was flat out drunk when he sat down. And if, for those who don't know, the draft house serves beer. I mean, there's a bar attached to the draft house, yeah. and during the movie, you can order how you know all the beer, all the liquor you want. So. As soon as the movie starts, him and his friend... What could um, possibly go wrong? <laughs> him and his friend just... Well, he, his friend, his more sober friend, was pretty quiet throughout the whole thing. I felt sorry for that guy. But mm-hmm. the main asshole who was drinking, uh, you know, flat out drunk, I could smell the alcohol on him every time he, he spoke. Like, he mm. was talking throughout the first Ugh. ten minutes of the movie. Ten minutes of the movie. And I did something I've never done before. I <laughs> leaned over to him, and I said, shut up. <laughs> and he goes, what? I go, shut your mouth. <laughs> I've never done it before. It may be because it was... So, oh, you've, I've it, done it many times. You're my I, hero I've now. I've never done it before. I, I've always just stayed quiet. But And I, I, I blame the election. I blame my bad mood. Um, because, yeah, I, I just had it up to here. So oh, I, shit. I took it out on this guy. And, yeah, he stayed quiet for about 90 minutes. But you know, during, <laughs> during those 90 minutes, he had two more martinis of course he did and he just couldn't keep his mouth shut and like for the last like 10 minutes he spoke up again but by that point i i i've seen this happen before where things just go, get out of hand and i, I didn't want to cause a mess so yeah i i just let him talk and he left and uh the people sitting next to him were like thank you for trying to keep him quiet <laughs> I go, thanks for giving I, it a shot <laughs> and i go I, I i had to do it i mean this guy was just insane so um, See your 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 story about telling someone to be quiet uh, is a little nicer than mine. Because I, tr- I I mean I'm telling you, Matt. Usually I just I'm just like okay, it's not too terrible. But this was like really over the edge. I mean, and what you you is this a regular occurrence for you, Matt? Oh, I tell people to shush all the time, uh, except for one time. Uh, well, there's two times. I'll just tell the one story, my favorite right now. Uh, we had gone to the theater to see, I think it was Resident Evil 3, whatever one that was. <laughs> I don't know. Okay? It was like a 9 o'clock show on a Friday night, and some guy decides to bring his child, his toddler. Oh, man. So this kid is screaming for about, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes. And then I wait for a quiet part of the movie, which if you've seen the Res- Resident Evil movies, those parts are rare. <laughs> I yeah, someone who has recently watched them, this is indeed true. I very loudly say, we all hate your child. <laughs> uh, to which he gets up and screams, who said that? I'll kick your ass. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, luckily, I was friends with the, uh, r- the manager of the theater, so I texted him, and uh, he brought security in and escorted this man out. <laughs> good, good. That's good. So, yeah, we all hate your child. 
That was my moment. <laughs> See, and I didn't have the courage to do that when, during uh, Coraline, uh, some lady brought her kid and her kid was running around the theater, kicking oh, seats. screw that noise. I backhand that kid. I was like, God damn it. And I didn't say anything. There oh, been, I, would have, I would have spoke up real loud. There have been instances where I could have said something. But, but I'm telling you, Saturday, it was just a boiling point. And I, I know now what I, have to, what I have to do with assholes like that. Tell people to shut the fuck up. Tell people to shut up. And, and, and I, when I told him to shut up, he, I could hear him go, ass. And I was like, I got you. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, but but anyway, anyway, Arrival. Anyway, hey, I loved Arrival. I walked out of theater saying it's my favorite movie of the year, uh, which, I mean, for those who have been listening to this podcast for the last year, I've said that about, like, five times. <laughs> like, yeah, since... It's, well, it's fine. It's constantly Are you sure shifting. you guys want to talk about Arrival? Because I'd be more than happy to talk more about backhanding kids in movie theaters. <laughs> <laughs> no, Arrival. Arrival. All right. We can, we can jump back to that in a bit, but I'll quickly say, like, Sing Street was my favorite movie of the year. The Nice Guys mm. was my favorite movie of the year. Uh, what else? Like other movies, I've like jumped into my number one slot, but you know things change. So right now, I'll say tentatively, it's my number one movie of the year, Arrival. Um, it's smart sci-fi. It's uh, yeah, I, I think that's like the best way to describe it. It's smart sci-fi. I, I uh, the the screenwriter, if you don't follow him, I don't have. Well, oh well, yeah, I do have him, Eric. Heiser, another okay. Heiserer, whatever. Follow him on Twitter. Like he recently did a, did a thread where he went into the science of language. Uh, the, oh wow! The, re- nice. the research he did for this movie. Uh, and if you don't know what the movie is about, I mean, it's Amy Adams. He, she's a, a linguist who they mm-hmm. bring on. The military does to try to communicate with these uh, aliens who have arrived. Yeah, and, in like in a b- whole bunch of different spaces around the world. Yes, um, I believe there are like twelve ships that like yeah. drop down, and yeah, it's like a race to kind of solve this mystery, uh, this this decoding this language before, and to figure out what they want with us. Yeah, exactly. Before something terrible happens, and yeah, I I love that aspect of it where they take it seriously, the science of language. Yeah, it's very serious and. But it's not boring or dry no, at all. Exactly. It it's it's like, this is a this is a very technical picture, but it's also extremely entertaining. Yeah, and and it does something, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to spoil it. Where I I didn't see it coming. You know, this thing that happens. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of that's that's pretty good. I've never. It was I, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I was. It was. It was wow. unexpected for me. So yeah, yeah. I. I love this movie. I love Amy Adams in it. I love the entire cast. I really love the score uh, oh, yeah. by by Johan Johansson. Uh, he did uh, Villeneuve's uh, last picture. I'm going to keep saying his name wrong. Uh, he also did the score for Sicario, which uh, is a score that I listen to on the regular. Uh, it was one of my favorite scores from last year. And Arrival is... It, the score for this might be even better. I mean, I, mean, it, I said this the other day. It's... Uh, this is my second favorite film of the year. Um, it's also my favorite sci-fi film of the decade. And I feel that every decade we get a defining science fiction picture of the time. And Arrival is it. I mean, if you go back through the past couple decades, uh, last, last time you had Children of Men, okay? Uh, in the 90s, you had Contact. Uh, in the 80s, Blade Runner. 
uh, 70s, uh, Close Encounters. Uh, in the 60s, you had 2001 and Planet of the Apes. Uh, all of these are like defining pictures of their era. And I feel that Arrival will stand the test of time and it'll keep its place among the greats. Uh, this is a movie that people are going to be talking about for years to come. Yeah, and and I'll say one more thing before we toss it to Ariel because we've been talking too much. Um, if because I know Matt, you haven't seen some of his last movies, right? Yeah, I've only seen this and Sicario. Yeah, so uh, I I think I said this on Twitter or somewhere. I don't know where I said it, but um, for me, Arrival is like what he's been leading up to. Like, yeah, for like since Enemy, no, since Prisoners, Prisoners, okay. Enemy, Sicario. I think there are elements of those movies in Arrival. It's like he's been building to this. And yeah. there are like kind of shots that mimic other shots in his movies and, and themes that run through. And yeah, um, just since Prisoners through this, I mean, he is on a and on a roll. And I can't wait to see his uh, his next one, which is Blade Runner. Um, yes, uh, this Arrival gave me high hopes for Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, I and plus, yeah. and plus you got Roger Deakins yes. shooting the thing. So come on now. <laughs> oh yeah, so I'm I'm excited. So I think the only thing that would make it better is his Ryan Gosling character was just his character from the Nice Guys, but put in the Blade Runner universe. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ariel. Okay, that would make me so fucking happy. <laughs> Same. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Arrival, Ariel? Um, I thought it was brilliant. I don't say that very rarely about a film, but yeah, it was. I saw this. I got I recently got a job at Regal Cinema, and I work there, and I got to see this for free with my mother and my brother. And we all loved it, and that's it's rare for me to go out with my mom to see a movie that she like was genuinely invested in, but we both were just like sitting there at the screen like an awestruck of what happened at first my one of my only complaints about the film was that I felt like the first two acts were kind of repetitive in how like here's the scene where they're gonna talk about it, then they're gonna go with the alien here's the they're gonna come back down again, they're gonna go back to the alien, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. repeat for that for about an hour and a half, but then the ending happened. And then once they do something, I won't spoil. It just made me literally when I was sitting in my seat with my he- my hands on my head. As soon as it started showing off what they were going to reveal, I was like, "Oh!" Like I genuinely said <laughs> oh. out loud. I was like, "Oh, that's what." Oh, like I haven't had that happen while watching a movie. Like not since like two years ago, since I watched this like incredibly underrated. Uh, sci-fi movie called Mr. Nobody, which kind of has a similar kind of main reveal to what's really going on. In Mm. fact, it's kind of similar in terms of thematic, like in terms of what they're trying to tell us in terms of one theme I'll give away is that it deals with time a little bit. Okay. Always do. And so they kind of had the kind of a similar twist, but they're in terms of execution. I think they're both kind of on par and also equally as devastating. (laughs) Because the, the one thing I was not expecting from this movie was to come out of it like just genuinely sobbing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it packs a punch. Um, that was kind of unexpected, but man, oh, I was I was a mess uh, by the end. Uh, and I, I'll make one more comparison. And, and I know at Matt, least you saw it alone. I had my mother next to me. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, I wasn't bawling, but I was emotional. Um, I w- because I was also dealing with the anger with that asshole next to me. Um, yeah, true. Oh, yeah. I imagine. So uh, I'll make this comparison. I, I and, and, and you say, Matt, it's your favorite sci-fi of the last 10 years, right? Yeah. Uh, no, well, of the 2000 till now. Okay, of the 2000 till now. Yeah. Um, 2010, for, I mean. Yeah. For me, I haven't had as great of an experience with a movie like this, dealing with sci-fi elements. 
uh, not since uh, Inception, which I love, Matt. I know you don't like that movie at all. <laughs> no comment. No, see. Um, they, I, I don't know. Like, that's like when, when, like the thing we're kind of tiptoeing around, when that happens, like, I immediately thought of Inception because there's stuff that happens in Inception that I think is brilliant and that they pull off, like, very well. That's, I think this just is comparable to. So, um, that, that's why I thought that's a major compliment for me because I love Inception to death. So, um, yeah, but. I think yeah I I mean I'm not gonna say that right away that, that it's my favorite sci-fi of the last or this decade, but it, it's up there for sure for me, absolutely. Um, so that's Arrival, uh, Ariel. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, you guys said something, Matt. I was gonna say yeah, Arrival. Go see it if you <laughs> have. <see> it. <laughs> because if you want to know what we're tiptoeing about, I mean we're not gonna tell you. You have to go see it for yourself. Yeah, this is a movie that listeners should just go in as cold as possible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ariel, uh, tell us a story about. Uh, you hitting a child during a screening. Um, okay, that hasn't <laughs> happened, but there came a point where I did want to deck a child when... Okay, this is this is the legitimate story of the worst time I ever saw a movie. It was a Sunday after, uh, morning. I had five hours of sleep at max. I was going to see the Peanuts movie with my father, my brother... I've heard this story. <laughs> my mother, my brothers, my my aunt, her kids, their cousins... We went to the theater. It was the foggiest day in all of East Islip. I was sitting there in a packed theater. About an hour into the movie, this kid behind me asks his father, what are the characters saying, even though they're speaking fluent English? <laughs> and during one of the fu- Snoopy fight, uh, fight scenes, this little girl says she wants to go, want to leave the theater, and the parents said, no, you can't do it. And then she starts crying midway through the action scene. So I'm just sitting there, barely that awake. Like a lovely time. So I'm sitting there, barely awake, trying to wake up in the middle of the morning, foggy ass day, and I'm hearing these two shitheads behind me, and I just wanted to get up, smack them across the stage, and just set the entire theater on fire. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the worst. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Good times. Great oldies. All right. Um, who is next? I believe it's you. It's me. Um, speaking of cinematography, uh-huh. uh huh. Man, this for me is up there. It's a beautiful movie called Moonlight. Moonlight. I need to see this. I think you will very much enjoy this, Matt. Um, yes, that's that's what uh, everyone's been telling me. Yes, uh, Moonlight, it, and I have to say right off the bat, it's another A twenty four movie that will make my best of list of the year. Oh wow! I've lost count of how many they've released that I've had that I have up there now. Green Room, The Lobster, American Honey. What else? Oh, there's. I'm sure I'm missing one, but now Moonlight. Um, it's a story about a. Um, it's in three chapters. Okay. It follows this, uh, well, as it as it begins, a a a a black boy in the in the I think he's in in Florida in the mm-hmm. uh, in the in the like uh, the ghettos of, of Florida growing up, and you see him progress through time, and he is um, he's he, he, he's a uh, closeted uh, gay person, and he's trying to deal with that. Like as a okay. kid, it's it's. I mean, it's his mother treats him terribly, the kids in his school treat him terribly, and he's like an he's an outcast, and it's heartbreaking. But you know, then you see him grow up, and you see him try to fit in the world, 
and it's oh, it's emotional. I'm getting kind of emotional just talking about it now, thinking about it. Yeah, I need to I need to see this. I've heard nothing but good things. But yeah, and yeah, it's it's a love story, and it's a beautiful love story. It's 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 the kind of love story we don't see that often in uh, you know on movie screens, which is hmm. terrible. But yeah, uh, it's 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 a movie that I've been thinking about. It's it's a slow simmer of a movie. Yeah, but man, it, it does it stay with you. Um, and like I mentioned before, the cinematography in the, the cinematography in this is incredible. Um, Interesting. I've I've read comments where um, oh, let me let me make sure I get this right. Um, James Laxton. It's James Laxton, right? Uh, and he he made some of your favorite movie. He filmed some of your favorite films. <laughs> Wait, what? He was the cinematographer on Tusk and Yoga Hosers. Really. <laughs> Really? Yep. Yep. Uh, well, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, hey, he finally hit, hit a good one, huh? You know what? I wouldn't be upset if he got nominated for an Oscar. I'll just say he... Uh, for yoga hosers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's learned his lesson, okay? <laughs> he's yes. he's learned from his mistakes of yoga, hoser, yoga hosers and Tusk. Because... Um, pure cinema, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> pure garbage so yeah I, I I think this Justin Long screaming in a flower suit made a flush at the peak of cinema and you know it <laughs> pure garbage so, Marcelo hates Tusk and I'm kind of just enthralled by it I can tell I'm just mesmerized by that movie uh, I'm so happy that Tusk ruined this conversation <laughs> well you know walruses don't cry but uh marcello does What's i do up? very much so um yeah uh i i think that's all i i have to say about moonlight go see it it's i need to see it like i, I said really it's it's a love story that you don't see too often on the big screen and it, the performances are amazing uh everything about it is is stellar like for like what you've heard about it 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 it's all true it's it's nice. the kind of yeah it's the kind of stories we need nowadays it's true all of it especially in this America now. So. Yes. Uh, go see Moonlight. It's, it's Once it plays incredible. somewhere around me, I will. I hope so. I, I my hope. coworker had to drive to New York to see this thing, so I don't think my chances are very good. Last I read, like the 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 box office, like the per screen averages were like outstanding. So okay, so maybe it'll get maybe it'll go wide. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, it'll spread. Terrific. Yes, Moonlight, one of the best of the year. Um, there you go. Uh, who's next? All right. Uh, last week on the uh, little quick intro, uh, Marcel and I recorded, we talked about a, a little movie about a wizard uh, who's also in the Marvel Universe. Uh, so real quick, Ariel, what would you think of Doctor Strange? Oh, yeah. I just got back from seeing it. Um, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I kind of loved it. <laughs> like, I I wasn't the biggest – I'm not the biggest Marvel fan, especially in Phase 2. I've been pretty hit and miss. But this is like the first time, I think, since at least Guardians, where I walked out of like one of these movies saying like, that was like genuinely like really good. Like I didn't know what was going to happen. I the the special effects, as many people have said, were really 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 good in ways I didn't expect because I kept watching like during the action scenes, especially the uh, battle in London. I kept thinking to myself like I've never seen a movie do an action scene like this. Like I've heard people compare it to Inception and like Interstellar to, to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. I think what this movie has above say those two is something that I think even the Wachowskis couldn't do in the Matrix movies, in that they made the environment a weapon. Like, the literal set design and the buildings around them and the ground beneath them, a means of self-defense and personal attack. 
And I kept thinking in my mind as like they were just wandering around the city using subway trains and like railings and stuff as like means of throwing things at each other and walking across these like art deco kind of designs and background. I kept thinking to myself like, I've never seen an action scene like this done before. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering why. And because it seems like such a fanboy thing to do. You just take an art deco painting kind of thing and visualize that and make it 3D. I'm surprised it hasn't been done yet. Hell, even the Wachowskis, when they came close with the Matrix trilogy, they very rarely used something that creative. And I think that's something I really admire about it. But I think my favorite thing about it was, honestly, just how, frankly, subtle it was. Like, one detail I really liked, this is not really a spoiler, it's in the opening. After he does his first surgery, when he's meeting up with the woman who I think is maybe the wife of the person he just saved... Um, a life for yeah yeah turns away from the hug she gives just to look away and you can still I remember that yeah what that struck me as is that he kind of runs in the main theme of the movie is that he cannot accept personal benefits as opposed to physical or rewarding benefits like say yeah. human like like he cannot accept this woman's appreciation for saving his life because it has no overall meaning to him and that's what he learns to cope with in life and i think that that's just something i I was like really clever because i like i'm trying to think back to like civil war where i was just watching like okay that's what's gonna happen this is what's gonna happen this character's Mm -hmm. gonna do that this is this is what this character's trying to say i very rarely saw like a subtlety in like the simplest gesture and i know it seems weird that i harp on like little things like that but it's just stuff i really appreciate like in any kind of movie Oh yeah, uh, I I I pretty much agree with you, Ariel. I, yeah, I do like that. I love that little character moment. Yeah, that yeah. he has there in that in the waiting room. Another thing I liked as well is the fact that I actually got why the bad guy was doing what he did because with like Zemo. Okay, spoilers kind of for Civil War with like what Zemo is, but let's face it, who hasn't seen Civil War by now? True. With the whole reveal of him like having a family in the during the battle in what was it? Uh, some Russian town. Sokovia. There's battle in Sokovia, having a family there. Like, that is, like, the lamest thing you could have done for revenge motivation for this guy. Like, what? This guy, this asshole has his family crushed under a building. Big whoop. This guy, on the other hand, he doesn't just want, like, benefits for him. He wants, like, general world, like, for his entire group of people that just feel betrayed by what this person is telling that they're hiding this otherworldly horrible power that only can give them eternal life but also tons of otherworldly be able to bend the fabric of space and time against her that their fingertips and not just like in the mirror dimension and then and he brings up a good argument because like he talks to dr strange about this how the the miss the the enchant the I can't remember her name. Uh, ancient one. Oh, the ancient one isn't who she seems like. And like you can tell in his eyes that he's self-doubting himself because that's the thing. He sees there's a benefit here. There's a bigger benefit for him as opposed to just randomly killing off people for the sake of defending the world. And it's just little stuff like that. that just like the smallest little things, but they just mean a lot for someone who really appreciates like little details that writers put into the films that most audiences will just tend to overlook and say like hey look that's a that's a building falling down and being bent into himself like a giant <laughs> Rubik's cube it looks cool and it has meaning that's what exactly happens. yeah Marcelo you're gonna say something oh no I, I was you know I wasn't gonna bring this up 
but uh, since Ariel brought it up, uh, I rewatched Civil War actually uh, this past weekend because I guess I needed some catharsis or some release after yeah. you know what. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I I actually have to disagree with you, Ariel. I liked that reveal where the bad guy in Civil War, after so many other Marvel movies, like have this guy who wants to destroy the world. Like just this guy just wants revenge. Like he like and he, like he goes out of his way to. It was a change of pace. Yeah, like he goes out of his way to kill those super soldiers. Um, and yeah, you, you you saw the twist coming a mile away. Like they open up the movie with like Stark's parents, you know, dying. Like mm-hmm. and and you know, it was set up from like like two movies ago that this was going to happen. Yeah, but but yeah, you're like, oh, they're going to go, and you you see it coming from a mile away. But still, like I I like the 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 smallness of this bad guy in Civil War. Like like he like he kills those super soldiers, and he just wants to see them fight, and that's it. So I I appreciate that on that level. Um, I but, can see what you're saying. Yeah, but but then I I agree with you with uh, with uh, Doctor Strange. Like I love Matt Mikkelsen in it. Like he does things like in his in his role that uh, I mean because he's a fantastic actor. Like it, there's a scene like he's bound up and he like he explains to Doctor Strange like like why he's doing what he's doing, and it's some of the best performance in a Marvel movie like ever because it's yeah it's fucking That's what happens when you get a good actor. Yeah, it's Matt Mik- it's Matt Mikkelsen. Um, Plus, he's put it under like an actual direction as to what he's trying to explain, not just like sitting there. It's not a case where he's just chained up just to deliver exposition. He's like genuinely trying to motivate him to see his point of view. Yeah, something I appreciate a lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, mean, I, I should bring up that I rewatched uh, Doctor Strange over the weekend in IMAX 3D. Oh, nice! With the lasers, with the right? lasers. Yes, um, I, I mentioned this in the last episode. Uh, I don't know how many theaters have this laser technology, but probably, probably like four, maybe. Um, but jerk <laughs> in Austin, Texas, at the Bob Bullock Theater, they uh, this this part breaks my heart. They got rid of the film projectors. Um, okay, but in, in place of that, they brought in IMAX laser 3D projectors, which. Like that's like top tier, like IMAX projection there, and I was like, okay, fine, I accept your digital uh, <laughs> slavery. I'll go see this uh, because it's supposed to be the best. And I, I, I embrace your digital future. <laughs> I was actually super impressed. Um, nice. It was like you know, you know, when you see a three D movie, the lighting isn't you know super great. It's still kind yeah, of yeah. dim. There, you have no problem. Like with with laser uh, oh, nice. projection, it's it's like clear as day. It's it, it's it's as if you're seeing like a two D uh, lit movie, but it's you know freaking three D. And so it's probably the best you've ever seen a digital movie. Pro- probably, but, and but James Cameron would still be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know what his standards are. And, and I, uh, he his standards are he wants glasses free three D. That's insane. Okay, and that's why he has pushed back the Avatar sequels because uh, he will not make them until he has made that technology. They just put in this projector in my IMAX theater. Like, what the hell are they going to do now? Like, take that out and put in like Cameron's new projection? <laughs> of course, Screw he's James Cameron. <laughs> he's going to make all the money in the world anyway. <sighs> At this point, I'm expecting him to release Avatar 2 on, like, a hologram projector or something <laughs> in, like, year 2030. I wouldn't be surprised. One, one more quick thing about the, the IMAX presentation of Doctor Strange. I didn't yeah. know that they expand certain scenes in, in the IMAX format. Uh-huh. It was freaking amazing, especially that <laughs> – especially, the like, the best scene in the movie, the sequence when they're in New York and they're in the mirror dimension and uh-huh, yes. the most crazy shit happens. Like, that in IMAX, blown up, like, full like full IMAX screen. Holy crap. 
um, people were like, I could hear people gasping. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that scene, you see that scene in the trailer, like when Doctor Strange and, and, and uh, who's his buddy? I don't know these guys' names. Mordo. Yeah, Mordo. When when they're like in, like they, they look out in New York and everything's like topsy-turvy and like, they, it, like it's, it's, it's incredible. Then they they fall through the city. I, I can't even describe it. It's amazing. That shot may be the most, like the, the I can't even describe it. Like the most visual, exciting, visually exciting shot I've seen this year. Nice. Um, yeah, I think that is the shot for me because it is like mind blowing, amazing. So yeah, uh, I had a great experience with the laser IMAX 3D. If anybody out there is close to one of those. Try it because okay. it's, it, it's worth your, your time. Um, okay. That's all I have to say all about right. Dr. Strange. Real quick, uh, before we close on Dr. Strange, uh, any listener who wants a good joke, go on Twitter and go to at come to bargain and you will, <laughs> uh, you will laugh. <laughs> Moving on. All right. It's a funny song. Who's next? It me. Okay, Matt. Uh, okay. Real quick. I watched the new DC animated film, Batman return of the Cape Crusaders. Uh, which is basically a sequel to the Batman 66 film. Uh, Adam West and Burt Ward uh, and Julie Newmar all came back to voice their characters from the 60s uh, camp classic uh, Batman show. And it is some of the the most fun 80 minutes I've had watching a movie. Uh, sure, the, you know, the plot gets a little convoluted. They drop some threads. Who cares? It's lots of fun. Uh, this movie is pretty bonkers. Um, there's some really cool uh, quotes from other Batman movies. It's it's really fun. Uh, it's really fun to hear uh, Adam West say, uh, "You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts." Uh, it's a lot of fun. Adam West is clearly having a blast with this thing. Uh, Burt Ward, uh, I think, is like in top top form here. Uh, the voices they got to replace, uh, you know, Cesar Romero and Burgess Meredith, and um, Frank Gorshin, they can sound a little off at times, uh, but for the most part, they're doing pretty good jobs as the Penguin, uh, Joker, and Riddler. I I love this thing. It's it's the best DC animated film I've seen all year because, you know, the less we talk about the killing joke, the better. Uh, this uh, Return of the Cape Crusaders is great, and I'm looking forward to the sequel that was just announced at New York Comic Con. Um, Adam West and Burt Ward will team up against William Shatner, who will be playing Two-Face, and I cannot wait for that. Wow. That is going to be the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, Marcelo, if you get the chance, please check it out. It is so much fun. Speaking as someone who has seen it as well, yes, I can agree. It's really fun, too. I, I will. I you know you know what I want to do first though is I want to buy the uh, complete series of Batman, uh, the Adam West series. I, I need. So do I. It's I, just I very that. expensive right now. I know it's a lot of money, but I love that show. I grew up on that show, um, and yeah. So did I. I need. I need to see it. I need to see. It. Yeah, it's it's this movie's lots of fun. Uh, I think you'd like it. I will, and I'm also I'm very much behind on DC animated movies. I need to see. Uh, like I think we've talked about this on the show. We have, yeah. Episodes ago, but yeah. Um, I need to see a few of those for sure. So, any last words on Batman, Cape Crusaders before we move on? I don't think so. Not, not really. It's just super fun. Okay. I didn't want to get on anybody's... <laughs> and it's really funny. I'm trying to do a good trying to do a good transition. I didn't want to get on anybody's nerves. Uh, <laughs> I hate was, you. I that hate was... You so- I hate you so much. <laughs> that was that was genuinely terrible. Like, <laughs> but you know what I don't hate, Marcelo? Huh? 
Nerve. Okay, yeah. I don't hate it either. Nerve. You, you, you finally saw Nerve, right? I, I saw Nerve. I, I actually... Catfish. I actually, you know, uh, part of my uh, getting over last week and, you know, you know, taking my mind off certain things. Yes, I rented Civil War and Nerve. Uh, yeah, I, the, the last time we discussed this was when it came out. Um, I forget what episode it was, but I remember DJ Horn was our guest that week. Yeah, I pull up the sheet, but I don't have the time. Uh, it was DJ. <laughs> yeah, uh, look up DJ. Hey, what you watching? Hey, cast on your Googles. Maybe you'll find it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, after you praising it, people on Twitter saying, hey, this is actually a pretty good movie. I was like, finally, I'll watch it. And I had fun with it. Uh, it's... It's 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 a uh, it's what uh, what did you call it, Matt? Uh, something that you and uh, good old David Elric also. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Um, fuck, I forget my exact quote. It's like Pokemon Go something, I don't which know. is a really dated reference already. <laughs> Nobody Crazy, plays right? Pokemon Go anymore. <laughs> no, so it's like a really dated reference. Uh, anyway, uh, I uh, it was like David Fincher's The Game. Um, Mixed with, you know, the Pokemans. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Uh, it, it's, it's also very pretty. It's, yeah, I was going to say it's super pretty. It's a gorgeous film. Uh, I mean, talking cinematography, this is the cinematography episode, apparently. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's it, we, love, we love pretty pictures. It reminded me of Spring Breakers. That's how good this movie okay. was. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I... Uh, from... This comes from the directors of Catfish, the documentary, yeah. um, and also that Paranormal Activity movie they did uh, for. Okay, they, yeah. they did Paranormal yeah. Activity for. Um, but yeah, this is this is good. This is good. This it's is- very good. And uh, Emma Roberts, come on, she's great. She, yeah, she's. she's I, I want to see more of her in, in these kind of roles. And Dave Franco, he is the best Franco. I make. I'm making that declaration. He's my, um, he's my favorite Franco, Dave Franco. I agree. Yeah, he. I think. I this like is a him. weird episode, Marcella. We're agreeing on things. I don't know. <laughs> this could be the final episode. <laughs> oh no! We need to get to episode fifty. Yeah, we, we so we have to disagree sometime in this episode. Okay, but we'll da- get there real quick. Dave Franco, I think he's more sincere in his acting than James Franco because I think James Franco. I still love really? James. I love James Franco. I like. I love James Franco, but everything's a joke. Yeah, he can't like when even in like a movie like uh, This Is the End. Which yeah, it's a comedy. Like he's he's kind of not taking it, taking it as seriously as he should. Like yeah. other people in that movie, like Jonah Hill, like he's incredible in that movie because he's like actually taking it seriously. He's actually acting. But James Franco, like he's he's, always, he's he seems like he's always like like hey, I'm James Franco. Like, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's basically him. But Dave Franco, he I, I buy him and everything he's in. Like he I he's a tremendous. He sells actor. it. Yeah, he sells it. Um. So yeah, I I. Pretty much, yeah, I can say I love Nerve. Uh, the, hey, this whole uh, what's what's that term? I had to look it up because I always forget it. Uh, 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 augmented reality is that, am I augmented close? Reality. Augmented reality. Yes. Um, I think it's the future. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, it's the future. But I think uh, how this movie deals with it visually, mm-hmm. um, I think that could also be the future. So this is like a step forward to I think uh, how we see movies and how we see these video games that we play. So I think it's a good peek behind that curtain of the, where where we're heading. I think Ariel, have uh, have you seen this? No, I have not. But you guys oh, have good. definitely piqued my you guys have piqued my interest. I'll definitely check it out. 
Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite good. <laughs> yes, it's... Yo, I couldn't tell by the like the literal like what five minutes you guys have been rambling about it. <laughs> <laughs> True. Good point. Good point. Good point. Uh, speaking of movies that uh, that I love, uh, you recently watched an extended version of a uh, of a movie that came out this summer. What'd you watch, Ariel? I watched the extended cut of I forget the name. It's oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Spirit Fighters, I think it's called. Um, Ghost Jumpers, I believe. Yes, Ghost Jumpers. Phantom That's what Punchers. it's called. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, no, for real. Um, uh, I watched the extended cut of Ghostbusters. I believe at the beginning of November this month, okay. actually. And I recently rewatched the theatrical cut part of my tongue i recently watched the theatrical cut as well and in terms of comparison between two cuts i definitely think in spite of a few changes to some of my favorite jokes from the theatrical cut i think the extended cut is a much better movie in terms of technicality mm-hmm. and by that i mean i think it flows a lot better because one of my main issues with the, the theatrical cut that i noticed greatly on this viewing was the fact that it's it lacks proper transition for certain scenes because I'm sure who has ever seen the movie, you notice that one point where Aaron is suddenly just in a hotel room with the Yeah, boat. where Chris, Kristen Wiig just disappears and then is across town for no reason. And then for some reason, <laughs> I have no idea why they cut this. this is, there's an entire subplot dedicated to her and why she seems so Im- indignant with this college and it actually adds a sense of character development towards her towards the end where she finally becomes accepted as one of the Ghostbusters technically, technically speaking she's already a Ghostbuster but you yeah. get what I'm saying and they cut it like like, like I want to say like 9 or 8 minutes of footage yeah. for no reason there's no reason to cut it yeah I, I, I don't get it because I saw this cut uh, a few weeks ago now oh, it, yeah. was, it wasn't that long I think I saw it over Halloween uh, yeah. weekend, but uh, but yeah, I I agree with you, Ariel. They like the extended cut definitely improves on that pl- that subplot, the 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 Kristen Wiig subplot that I had a problem with in the theatrical cut. So it it improves on that subplot. It improves. Uh, it gives like more motivation for the villain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I liked the extra scenes with Rowan. I thought that was really helpful. And I'm glad they actually explained what those mirror things were because when I first saw yeah, them, I was like, yeah, right what the hell are those things how do they work and he was like here's what they do and what they are and i'm like oh yeah. okay it's like okay why i get it, it now that makes sense why why'd you cut that out <laughs> exactly like why is this the year like studios are just randomly cutting like the important details yeah. out of movies i mean i like uh i like some of the new jokes um there's a very there's a specific one where uh the realtor tells Kristen wig the price of the firehouse and i rewound it about three times so i could just keep laughing uh that was a really good part i Really okay. I've talked about this with Marcelo uh, previously, but uh, they fixed the Aussie joke. Oh yeah, yeah. Where oh, he's yeah, not yeah. just screaming Sharon like an idiot anymore. He actually makes you know, hey, a Black Sabbath reference, which is pretty cool. Uh, I, I believe I believe I believe his line is like he's like that's nothing. Black, uh, Black Sabbath was doing that that shit in the seventies. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you were that that was that was awesome. And I also like the new cameo by uh, Kevin from The Office. I thought that was really really funny towards oh, yeah. the end. See, I especially, I think my I'm just, favorite. I'm, jo- ju- I'm just here for some ice. Uh, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> I think my favorite joke is the one Holtzman gives as the two agent, government agents trying to get into the car. If you think got generals down there, or is it more of a Ken doll situation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I like the new. I like the new version quite a bit. Me, me too. Like I've watched this movie like three times this month. 
Nice. It's good. It's fun. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I exercise with my family, and I don't own it oh. yet. Um, I mean, my, I should go back. My 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 niece and my nephews love the movie. My family loves the movie. Um, I think I told this on the podcast, right, right, Matt? About uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Paul Paul uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Paul Feig uh, retweeted you. Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly mention it again. Like, I was visiting my family. And like the first day I was there, like uh, my my nephew was playing clips from the movie on on a cell phone, uh, which always freaks me out because kids nowadays, goddamn, they they pick up those iPads, those cell phones, and they just know. Like my my nephew is t- three, and he's doing this. Crap. <laughs> Jesus, it's insane. Anyway, um, I was like, oh, they they love this movie. That's great. So we went to this this bookstore that was closing. And we we got my niece a uh, a Ghostbusters you know figure, um, and I took a picture and I tweeted it to Paul Feig and he retweeted it and it was amazing. My my sister, she was ecstatic and that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, but he's uh, a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy, and he, he's been retweeting. If you don't follow him, you should. If if you love this movie, because and also if you don't love this movie, go freak yourself. But yeah, how if, about that one? Uh, if you love this movie, follow Paul Fay because he's like retweeting and and you know talking to these Ghostbusters fans. And I recently read an interview where he's like, yeah, like I want to make a sequel for sure because like there's this outpouring of of support, support and like support. fandom now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, and it's pretty amazing. I love it. I I love that there's a whole new group of people that can get on board with Ghostbusters. Exactly. Yeah, it's I, not just something that I grew up with as a kid. It's something that kids now can grow up with and like love this new movie. And also that if they want to have more of it, they can always revisit the originals, and they yeah. have more of that too. Yeah, and, and there's uh, there's originals they can watch. There's a, an entire cartoon they can watch. There's two cartoons they can watch. There's yeah. a lot of lot of Ghostbusters for kids to like latch onto and like, oh, I love this character or oh, I love that character. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, that's going to be fun. Of, I think that's the thing a lot of people are overlooking when it comes to like the backlash this, this movie got was the fact that these movies, this movie actually meant a lot to like little kids who were there. Like I remember yeah. going to see the pre-screening for it, and a group of kids that were uh, my my aunt was a friend with or my godfather. I can't remember. They said that they liked it too, and I, that made me happy. The fact that there were just kids around who were enjoying this. Yeah. Also, Mr. Feig, if you happen to be listening to this and <laughs> you also want to make a sequel, just letting you know, um, I'm kind of a dabbling in screenwriting, and I'm currently writing a fanfic about the series, and I've been told I capture the characters pretty well. So if you need a new screenwriter for this, just call me. <laughs> And, and and Mr. Paul, Fag, you're on notice. And and, and Mr. Fag, if if you need help with uh, Spy Two, uh, I'm your guy. So uh, you're spy. dabbling in my favorite genre right there. Um, Shameless self promotion for the win. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Ghostbusters. Oh, and, uh, and real quick, for those listening to this the day or the week it comes out, um, I think Ghostbusters uh, is on sale on Black Friday for like six bucks. I think at Target. Yeah, Ooh. I, I'm gonna buy it there because I, I don't have it. I don't have a copy yet. Um, so nice. yes, I can't wait. To I buy will that. be at I will be at Target buying a new television. I'm very Ooh, excited. Nice. Good luck with that. Um, yeah. as, I'm going to get there so early, Marcelo. It's not even funny. As as a guy who used to work in retail, um, I can tell you, it's it's a mess. It's I it's I will mess. get <laughs> I will get that television. You so bet. help me God. Just be prepared. Like what? I'll give you this advice. Whatever time you're thinking of getting there, get there like an hour before that. <laughs> oh, I know. It's it's oh, going to be crazy. 
Um, okay. But apparently, okay, real quick, uh, talking about Black Friday at Target. Uh, if you use the Cartwheel app, I'm pretty sure that, that I read something today where you can get the Black Friday deal on Wednesday instead of waiting for Friday. Oh, wow. Okay. That's if okay. you use the Cartwheel app. Hot tip. There you go. From hot Matt, tip. With Matt with his random hot tip to survive Black Friday. <laughs> so uh, don't buy my television. I want it, damn it. <laughs> Would it be funny if like the page called up Target and then they just wrote Matt like a uh, um, Matt can't a mar- have this? <laughs> yeah, like a Matt, like a Matt was just like in bold capitals with a marker on the specific TV, just <laughs> waiting for you. Uh, God, I hope so. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Well, uh, fingers crossed, Matt. Re- report back uh, once you have that TV. Oh, please! I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> okay. Said I was our- most likely means rag. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my big TV. <laughs> Uh, so that was our Black Friday segment done. Yes. Uh, now uh, let's you know if hey Matt if if you don't get that TV um, if I, if please I, if I can't yeah if, if you don't get that TV please don't steal it. No, I'm just gonna call my good friend James Kahn and have him be a thief for me. <laughs> no, seriously though, I watched uh, I watched two Michael Mann movies this week. I'll talk about them real quick. Uh, again, I watched Thief uh, because I bought the Criterion Blu-ray. I had to replace it because oh, my brother nice. t- my brother took his copy back to Japan with him because he likes to take his things that he owns away from me. Makes sense. It's fair. It's fair. So yeah, I bought Thief on uh, the Criterion Blu-ray. Uh, I've said it before. Terrific transfer. Awesome in- interviews with Man and uh, and Khan. Great behind-the-scenes stuff on this thing. Uh, the commentary is great. It's an old commentary, but it's uh, Michael Mann and James Conn just hanging out, shooting the shit. That's a lot of fun. Uh, I love Thief. It's one of the best uh, directorial feature debuts I've ever seen. It, it's Michael Mann basically telegraphs his entire like aesthetic for 30 years going forward. Uh, if you watch any of his movies uh, after that, like Manhunter, uh, Heat, uh, The Insider, um, even Public Enemies, uh, you're going to see glimpses of those films in Thief, which I uh, I really latch on to. I really like. Um, and the score is great. Tangerine Dream is kind of the best. Yeah. Uh, I also, uh, real quick, uh, Ariel, you like this movie? You've seen it? Uh, yeah, I saw it back in, I want to say, August. Fun story of how I watched it. Uh, I was doing it for a challenge. I, w- I watched this movie as a way to kill time to finish off a challenge I was doing on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. And the movie I decided to do a double feature of it with was the Care Bears movie. <laughs> so, oh, terrific. After, after I got done watching this movie with Giants Khan, like, senselessly beating people and, like, breaking into jewel mines and stuff like that, jewel safes and stuff, I go back and watch the Care Bears movie. But, yeah, uh, this movie is... I've never seen a Michael Mann movie until this one, and it's, it's really, really good. Well, you started with the first. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I never heard of it until I actually joined Letterboxd, and that's part of what I love about the site. Is that I just go into movies like blindly. I just hear, like, hey, it's good. Okay, I'll watch it. <laughs> and then I, I just watch it, and I was like, oh, that's good. You know, I'll explain why it's good. Oh, you guys were all right. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's like really... It's like style... I can describe it as really heavy in terms of like what it's style and aesthetic. Mm. It's really like confident in itself and how it presents everything. Because typically, it's a fairly standard kind of heist narrative. But I think what makes it so special is the way it's handled. Because the way yeah. James Con like looks at the at his a uh, what's the name of the actor that plays the main lead, the guy he's dealing with? I can't remember his name. Um, Robert Protsky, the, the bad guy. 
Yeah, the way he looks at Robert Prosky and the way he just like stands there just scowling at him, just wanting this job to be over so that way he can just get back and go back to his life. Yeah, I mean, I like, looked, uh, I was watching this and on the bonus features and I didn't realize, I mean, I grew up watching Robert Prosky in, in a whole bunch of different movies, like uh, Last Action Hero. He was the the guy who was who worked at oh, the movie Oh, that's who Robert Prosky is. Yeah, and um, I didn't know that this was Prosky's first film. Really? Uh, he he was one of like hundreds of people that auditioned and like man saw him and was like this is the guy like this guy he's got a he's got an edge to him he he was just like a, he worked in like theater he he did like stage stage plays and man is like no I want him I want him for this movie he's he's going to be something that's really cool yeah uh he's awesome someone, in this <laughs> yeah well I'm speaking as someone who comes from a stage related family actually my father's a media producer oh nice nice yeah but yeah, no, uh, Protsky is, uh, he's great. He's a great bad guy. Uh, I love the, the monologue he gives to James Conn. James Conn wants out, basically. And Protsky's like, no, I own you. You have a child because of me. You have a wife because of me. A home. You're all on me. I own you. <laughs> yeah, that's... It's, oh God, this movie, um, you know how much I love this movie, right, Matt? Oh, yes. I, 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 I do. Um, and yeah, it's good to talk man again. It's been a while since we talked man. It's, it's been a while. Been and a while. It, this, this also fits into noir November, as That's I know right. a lot of people are partaking in. Yes. Um, I it's guess, a nice little neo-noir. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, we should also say if, I guess we should start doing this more often. As soon as the site launches, we'll do we'll, we'll plan this out better. But yeah, yeah. If if you want to take a look at some writing on on noir, uh, you know, films, take a look at talkfromsociety.com. I'm I'm sure yeah. I'm sure by this point that big article we're we're working towards is is going to be out, or I think two articles, whatever. But yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, so wait, did you talk about Black Cat yet? I did not. I also watched Black Hat, as listeners know, is uh, a great movie, and you should all have seen it already. Actually, yeah, if you listen to this show, I'm pretty sure you've seen it. Yeah, if you're a long-time listener, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Black Hat's awesome. That's, it's, this is like the sixth time I've watched it. I, I just love it. I, and I really want that uh, director's cut to be released for the masses. Oh, that's right. It's, uh, was that earlier this year that that happened? They screened it at, in New, at New York? Yeah, in New yeah York, that was uh, back in like February. Yeah, yeah God, where, when's that going to happen? Eh, soonish, I hope. Hopefully. hopefully. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Black Hat. It's fucking great. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, Ariel, you haven't seen this yet, have you? I have not. I this is part of the reason why I don't tend to talk about many recent features that much and why I haven't talked about this movie in a while or even know about Shabbat, because I literally have seen nothing of this movie. All I know about this movie is that it's Chris Hemsworth as a hacker and that's it. I, and I want to keep it at that. I do not definitely, want to definitely keep it at that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I've learned in the past. I want to say a year or so that I've been on Letterboxd is that and it's part of the reason why I like Thief so much is that I just go and watch it because I hear it's good and I don't want to look up anything else about it. I just want to go see it because it's good. Because if I know is that all I know in my head is that it's good and I don't know what genre it is. I don't know what type of film it is. If I don't know what I'm going to expect from it, I can just go in it with the best critical mindset possible. And that's what I've taken to heart. And that's why I don't talk about trailers at all. Really. Yeah, I, I think you will like Black Hat though. It's a uh, it's a really cool movie. I'll check it out then. It's not for everyone, but it's 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 definitely for me. <laughs> yeah, and I still under, I don't understand why people don't 
love it. I mean, if oh, okay, I uh, oh, let me backtrack. I don't understand people who love Michael Mann's previous work. I don't understand how they don't love Black Cat. Is, exactly yeah, is what I'll say because this is every Michael Mann rolled into one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, normal folks, normies. I, I, I for sure think like they're not going to get it. <laughs> but, but I mean, if you love Thief, if you love everything else, like Insider, like any name, any other Michael Mann. I mean, there's some some of that in you know Black Cat, he, he, except for the Keep. Except <laughs> I have I haven't seen the Keep yet. I think that's the one I oh, haven't seen. God, it's so much fun. Uh, I think it, is it still on Amazon Prime? Maybe I should check it out. It should be. It should be. Um, but yeah. So there we go. That's our man segment. Man on man. Um, Michael Mann's the man, man. <laughs> um, speaking of two things. No, that's not a good transition. What? what else? God damn it. <laughs> what else did you see, Matt? What? What else did I'm, you see? Oh, I'm next. Okay. Yes. You are I, terrible at this. <laughs> I know. I saw it. I, I had it in really little print. Anyway, uh... We're going to skip that for now. Uh, Ariel, you watched a silent movie, yes? Yes, I watched this movie with friends on the day, I believe the few days after election night to cheer us all up. I watched the modern, uh, I watched the Charlie Chaplin film Modern Times with a few good friends of mine over Rabbit. Um, And I, at first I loved it. And now I feel like I'm confident saying it's one of my new favorite movies like of all time. Like I haven't seen a movie like this combined so be so breathlessly funny and yet so heavy in terms of like overall thematics. Like I've never seen a film balance corporism kind of symbolism and home the uh, ideas of poverty and struggles for food and communism, all that kind of stuff, and strikes dealt with such a level of subtlety and yet blatant obviousness that you can tell what's going on but on a second watch you can gain more appreciation for mm-hmm. because a detail I really liked that I didn't notice until now was during the opening sequence it opens with a little bit of like a opening typical opening credit scene of a clock but after it goes that it first shows you a group of people walking into a factory and then after that it shows you a group of sheep wanting into I think like a, a back of a cart or something but something I notice is that during these two sequences, you see a black sheep walking among the group. And then after that, you cut back to the humans. You see Chaplin's character, I think the Shemp, walk with the group as well. And I think that shows like Shemp is like the black sheep of this company and what he stands for and what he does. And that transitions to the rest of the scenes where he's just doing his day-to-day work and he's messing up unlike everyone else because he just can't seem to do it right. Because, again, he's a black sheep. I, for one, have not seen this movie. Uh, Marcelo, have you? Oh, you, yeah. You it's, love this? It's my, it's my favorite Chaplin. It's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, as the distinction of being my first Criterion Blu-ray. Um, Ooh. And I think that Criterion release is maybe, if not my favorite, like in the top like three, top five. Uh, I recommend anybody who is into Criterions because, hey, not many people. Well, I won't say that. Uh there are people out there who are not into Criterions. That's a harsh uh, reality I saw on Twitter uh, today. Um, Earlier today, yes, that's true. <laughs> I don't want to get into that, but if, if you do a quick search on the Before Trilogy and my username on Twitter, um, yeah, I think you can find that conversation. But yeah, if you're into Criterion Blu-rays, I highly recommend that one, Modern Times. Um 
because it's it's just so it's like it's it's chock full of uh, Chaplin history. The commentary is spot on. I think every Criterion release, every Chaplin Criterion release has like a great commentary by a historian who talks about like the like like everything you want to hear. It's like it's it's like a film class build down to like a Blu-ray disc. It's that's how exceptional hmm. like each Criterion Chaplin releases. Um, so I should see this, yes? You should. And I think we've had this conversation before. No, it's completely terrible. You should just skip it run time. Okay, cool. You, Matt, you should see, and, and, and here's, I think I've told you this before, but you should see, like, the Gold Rush first or the uh-huh. Kid. But I, but I own Modern Times. But still. Uh, I just haven't watched it yet. Uh, I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I, own, I own three Chaplains, and I've watched one of them twice. And yet you haven't thought of the decency to get off your lazy ass and watch Modern Times. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I, I have issues. Uh, Clearly, I only say and this is just a recommendation. You should see like some of his earlier classics and then see Modern Times because I think it's kind of an evolution. Well, it is an evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the last time he played uh, the 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 Tramp. Uh, yeah, the Tramp. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's a good. Uh, finale in that in that regard so huh. so if, if you watch like the the other you know classics like the kid or the gold rush or what's that one city lights okay um watch any of those you 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 get like classic chaplain and then the and then modern times is like it's like a how to describe it? it's like a another level of 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 tramp that which is exceptional huh. so um so yeah that you know that that's my recommendation to you matt um but hey you do whatever you want because that seems i'm, I'm probably just gonna watch modern times <laughs> god damn you um, or i'll probably just watch monsieur if you do again or or at least what they're on the modern times blu-ray there are some shorts there's some chaplain shorts watch oh, those nice. nice watch those first and then watch modern times at least do that okay okay but yeah um i love modern times so <laughs> i know <laughs> Uh, what uh, I I, th- I think we covered modern times. Um, I did. I love that movie. And you know what movie I love? What? Uh, the one that we skipped over just now, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna go to it now because I watched a little thing uh, on election night. Oh, okay. Uh, well, well, right after I voted, I went home and I watched Ron Howard's uh, Frost Nixon, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Uh. This is a great uh, – I actually watched this uh, last year as well. I did it as a double feature with uh, All the President's Men because this is basically the continuation of the story in All the President's Men. I mean that was all the ex- exposure of uh, Watergate by the Washington Post. And this is after Nixon's resignation. Uh, a talk show host called David Frost pays Nixon to do a series of interviews uh, where uh, Frost's team are going to try to get a confession out of him something that you know the american people never got and the cast here is great uh this is probably my favorite ron howard picture uh michael sheen is awesome as david frost uh frank langella gives one of the best performances of all time as for as uh richard nixon uh he he doesn't really sound exactly like nixon he gives it his own little spin and i love him for it he's not just playing uh, a copy of a famous person. He's putting his own spin on it, which I always appreciate. Uh, the supporting cast here, terrific. Uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, Oliver Platt, uh, Rebecca Hall, 
everyone here is amazing uh and i love how it's shot almost like a documentary i mean they constantly cut back to these talking heads who are telling the story of what was happening at the time um it's 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 based on a play that uh on broadway that won best uh play that year franklin jella won the tony for uh playing nixon when he did this on broadway um and he's just he's he's terrific in this movie uh i'm not sure if either of you have seen this uh but if you haven't i can't recommend this enough it's it's great it's very very close to being perfect all right then i'll keep that in mind um i just added it to my watch list on letterboxd i'll definitely check it out sometime yeah, I saw this when it uh, first came out, and mm-hmm. uh, it was on my top ten lists. Uh, and yeah, I yeah, same here. I uh, I always refer back every once in a while to that uh, cheeseburger scene. Um, oh my god, yes! It's like a conversation with drunk Nixon where he calls um, Frost, and uh, and yeah. he really gets all his frustrations out in that scene, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, uh, I, like it's, it's actually frightening that scene. <laughs> it, like Lang- Langell is a scary guy when he's playing Richard Nixon. Yeah, and and, and like you said before, um, it's like he makes it his own. It's not a uh, it's not a, like a direct impression of Nixon. It's not it's not, it's not a copy. No, it's not yeah. a copy. It's it's his own characterization of of Nixon. Yeah. Um, and I, what, what I find- which I think which I think is the best way to do Nixon. Yeah, and what I find- uh, because it, uh, let me, real quick, uh, you've seen other films about Nixon. Uh, and the ones that I love, they're not caricatures of Nixon. They are their own take. I mean, you have uh, Oliver Stone's Nixon. Anthony Hopkins is awesome in that. He's still Anthony Hopkins, and he's doing his own thing, playing Richard Nixon. Uh, you see Robert Altman's uh, Secret Honor, uh, which is the one-man film with Philip Baker Hall. Yeah, I love that movie. That's Richard Nixon. He's not doing a Nixon impression. He's doing – he's Philip Baker Hall, He's but with a, with a slight accent. Uh, it's It's – fantastic uh nixon was a fascinating man an extremely flawed character uh and i found it to be uh very necessary to watch this on election day uh and it's kind of relevant that i watched it looking at the results (laughs) (laughs) uh i i mean it's 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 funny that you saw that which is one of your favorites of all time right yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my favorite Ron Howard, uh, which would be followed. I'm guessing, I want to say right after this would probably be Apollo 13. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. I I, I haven't ranked my Ron Howards. Um, I don't I don't know where to begin. Um, I mean, I I I love the guy, um, but oh, I lied. I'm sorry. It goes Frost, Nixon, Rush, and then Apollo 13. Rush is great. I like I, like Rush. I love Rush. Yeah, Rush is <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I, I and this is not on the list, but I'll quickly mention it. Like um, I, I saw the Ides of March, the the the, Clo- oh. the Clooney directed slash starring uh, uh, political vehicle. And Ryan Gosling, right? And it, it has a, an amazing. This is the Ides of March is one of my favorites of all time. It's great. Uh, I I dig it so much. The cast. I, I always forget who's in the cast and how, how amazing they all are. Uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, Paul Giamatti, um, Marissa Tomei, uh, I mean George Clooney. I, I, George Clooney in this 
in the in like a pivotal scene towards the end. Like he is, I, I can't believe he didn't get more recognition for this. I don't. <laughs> I understand. can't believe this film didn't get more recognition. Yeah, uh, I love it. Uh, and and it it was written and based on the play by I always get this name wrong. Uh, Bo Willimon, who who went on to do one of my favorite shows, uh, House of Cards. Oh, nice. Okay. So yeah. So I mean, seeing that movie. I to March. Like I saw it maybe like two days before the election. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of like how you saw Frost Nixon, and kind of how it's 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 still pretty relevant and says a lot about what's happening. Yeah, you know, you know seeing as uh, as uh, how right now we're pretty well, he's president elect right now, <laughs> but uh, we're pretty close to having the worst president since Nixon. Yeah, um, I can't wait to relive the seventies. <laughs> is 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 ABBA going to be popular again? Please say yes. We'll see. Uh, bell-bottom pants are coming back in style. I'd, I'd, I'd be totally fine with this. <laughs> um, hey, since we're like on the topic of this... Uh, I'm a regular dancing queen. <laughs> uh, uh, Ariel, how about this? This is a natural question. Um, what are What is your favorite or some of your favorite like political movies? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I can't really say I've seen many political movies. I can quickly run through my uh, favorite films list and see if I have. Um, you guys can keep talking as you uh, want, if you want. Um, let me pull it up real uh, quick. I, I, well, as as for me, my favorite is All the President's Men, and it always has been. Yeah, I have never. I didn't heard of. I have. <clears throat> I never heard of that until I think around the time people were comparing it to Spotlight. Oh yeah. Uh, um, not only is All the President's Men a great political film, it's a great newspaper film. I'll keep that in mind. Um, here's my question. Would you guys consider something like 12 Angry Men to be a political film or no? That's uh, it's like, like a social political, like maybe. It's uh, like the justice system. Yeah, justice system. I, yeah. I, I could, could let it slide in this case, yeah. yeah. If that's the case, then yeah, that's probably my favorite political movie, which... Fun story. I actually saw it performed live as a stage show before I ever saw the movie. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Which, fun story. I actually used to be an usher at a local stage show for about, I want to say, three years, maybe longer. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. cool. Cool. Also, another favorite political film of mine, Marcelo's Blowout. Yes. Yes, you could definitely say that. It's a political film. Holy oh God. yes, I've seen that for a while now. Oh yes, uh, is I, is great. That's that's another film that uh, I mean, you can make a long list of films that you can watch now, and they'll that be they'll even, resonate even, a little yeah, stronger, even more relevant. <laughs> um, it's like you you maybe should have saved that Dead Zone uh, first viewing until <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, moving on. Um, to is it my turn? I've lost count. It already. is loving. Uh, speaking of political, this is this is political. Oh yes. Uh, based on true story, loving, directed by Jeff Nichols, uh, starring who you don't love. No, yeah. Let me, yeah. Let me start with that. Uh, I <laughs> Jeff Nichols is the guy who I I will go see every Jeff Nichols movie in theaters. Yeah. I make that promise. You might you might not like them, but you'll go see them. Yeah, it's not that. I mean, I like the movies. I'll make that clear. But I don't like think they're exceptional, which okay. I respect them deeply as a filmmaker. But they never connect with me. Like I've and I've seen pretty much all of them. I've seen Mud, seen Take Take Shelter, seen Minette Special. They they just don't fully what, do it for me. What, what about this one? 
Oh, oh, this one. I, yeah. <laughs> did he? Did he break the curse? No, oh, no. Uh, I mean, the, fuck. The curse is still there. <laughs> it, like, every, oh, so you're it, telling me I'll love it? Okay, cool. Yeah, you're. I think I think you will because I. I'll say like the performances are fantastic. Joel Joel Edgerton, and, and, and let me go back to the plot. It deals with the real life um, uh, story about this couple, this interracial couple, who. I mean, they get married. Um, oh, yeah. it, it's 1958 is when the story starts. They get mm-hmm. married, and they're going to have a baby. And, of course, the the state they're in, Virginia, uh, it's illegal for, for interracial couples to, to be married. So of course. So they have to move away to D.C., and many years go by, and they eventually like take this head-on, this law, and they go <laughs> to the Supreme Court with it. And Good. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great story. It, I mean, uh, and, and apparently there's a documentary that really goes into the process. The hmm. the um the it's like I think more procedural than this because this deals a lot with um the characters with the romance the relationship. The relationship. Yeah. It doesn't really deal with like the um the 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 law side of things, the, the courtroom side of things. Yeah, which is a conscious effort, and I admire that. Um, but I don't know. Again, it it didn't really connect with me like I wanted it to. But I think everything about it, like the the bones of the thing, like the the direction, the cinematography, the the acting, it pretty much all works. But it just did not connect with me. <laughs> it's 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 Jeff Nichols, man. I don't know what it is. And but I I like I said, I admire him. I will go see every movie he sees. But it's not fully there for me. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, I, I it's it's I don't, I don't know. I, I like I said, I respect him. So, and, and, and it may also you? it may also be because do you though? It may also be because he's he's from Austin, and I think I, I appreciate that aspect of it. <laughs> I want to I want to I want to help. I want to promote this guy. I want to really be on his side. You know, I, I'll tell people, hey, go see Jeff Nichols movies, but you know, will I love them? No, of course not. <laughs> Uh, there are bits and pieces of, of of the movies that I like can admire. You know, uh, McConaughey's performance in Mud is is one of the best McConaughey performances. But did that movie did not connect with me at all? <laughs> uh, it's it's I don't know. But like like I said, I'll, I'll recommend this movie to anybody uh, except for like one thing that kind of threw me off. Uh, my biggest gripe with the movie is um, Nick Kroll. Okay. Uh, I mean, do you, you know who Nick Kroll is, Matt? The funny guy. Yeah, the funny guy. The funny guy from The Kroll Show. Yeah, he plays the lawyer who represents them in the Supreme Court in this movie. Interesting. It's weird. <laughs> don't tell me, don't tell me. He dresses up like a giant douche. <laughs> the entire movie. I He's mean... And no one acknowledges it. <laughs> there are scenes where, he, by his face, you're like... Is he gonna make a joke? Is he gonna is is he gonna break off into his like uh, Bobby Bottle Service character? I don't oh, know. No. He's gonna start bringing on the food puns and food. I'm just gonna stand <laughs> there waiting for to react to it. <laughs> so it's an odd bit of casting. It, I don't think it works because I don't I don't I don't know. It's just a bit off for me. But hey, every everybody else. I mean, Michael Shannon is in like a bit role, and he's he's an amazing person. Obviously, uh, I mean Matt can attest to that, right? Matt's Michael Shannon. <laughs> Fuck him! You're an orphan now. <laughs> For those who don't know that reference, Google it. 
there's a big red dildo going down the middle of the country. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, hey, I'll still say, yeah. go see... He's, he's my hero. Uh, go see, go support Jeff Nichols. Go see Loving. Um, and go support Michael Shannon in everything yes, he does and says. Does. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Loving for me. Again, Jeff Nichols, I love you. I do. But... N- none of your movies connect with me emotionally. <laughs> no, no, no. You like him. You don't like love him. him. I love him as a as a filmmaker. It's a weird relationship he and I have. It's not me and David Ayer because David Ayer can go fuck off. Okay, <laughs> but Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Nichols, I respect him. Okay, I do. I do. Um, but you don't love but him. I don't love him. Speaking of love, <laughs> right? That's a good yeah. Segue. Sure. Passion, Matt. Yes, I finally saw Brian De Palma's latest film, uh, 2012's uh, Passion, starring uh, Numi Rapace and uh, Rachel McAdams. And holy shit, am I glad I did. Uh, this movie is uh, such a throwback to old school De Palma, like uh, Dress to Kill. Uh, it's in that kind of vibe. Uh, I love this. It's about uh, Rachel McAdams runs a advertising company and... Uh, Rapace is basically her underling and Rich McAdams steals her idea. So Rich, so Rapace steals her man. And they go back and forth like this for a while and there's a lot of intrigue, there's a lot of thrilling scenes. Uh, that classic De Palma look and touch is here, a lot of split diopter. Uh, this thing is beautiful. Uh, it's thrilling throughout. Uh, there's a few really frightening moments, which I appreciated, and it gets really violent. And oh boy, is this a good in. Uh, thank you so much, Marcella, for recommending I see this. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's really great. It's actually uh, in my top five for De Palma at the moment. I really enjoy this. And uh, holy mackerel, is it a good time. <laughs> this, this was a joy for me to see back when it first came out. Um, because I, it was... It came out within a few months of, I think, uh, side effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, have you seen that, Matt? Not yet. No. You, that you should see that next. That's uh, what I. It's well, it's Soderbergh. I'm sure I'll enjoy it. Yeah, because just to kind of tease it up, um, like it's Soderbergh kind of doing De Palma. Uh, okay. That, yes, please. And and then seeing seeing that seeing that kind of say no more. <laughs> seeing that and then seeing Passion De Palma coming back to being like full De Palma. Mm. Oh. That's a good. That's a good one-two punch, and hey, hey, and it has a connection of both Dragon Ladies being in in those movies. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that that's that's something. Um, but yeah, I love Passion. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, uh, Rachel McAdams in this uh, all timer. She is great in this movie. So good, so good. Um, but yeah, that's that's Passion. Hey, go see it, please, if you're a uh, De Palma Ar- fan. Ariel, have you seen any uh, Brian De Palma? I. Actually, yes. I recently watched, I think around for Halloween time, uh, Phantom of the Paradise with some friends. Yeah, oh, nice. Nice. I think that's your favorite, Marcelo, right? I believe it's up there. I think it, if you ask me now, I think it's tied with like Blowout. It's, it's Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It, that's a fun movie. I, I love Phantom of the Paradise. I, it was kind of terrifying watching it because <laughs> I was just sitting there like I had no idea what it was. I vaguely remember watching a video by this guy named Paw who did this little show called Music Movies where he talked about musicals and stuff. Okay. I vaguely remembered it for that. I completely forgot what the actual movie was about and what it was dealing with thematics. So watching it with like my two friends sitting by who had seen it before, I was just sitting there like completely confused. And by the ending, I was like, okay, yeah, that just happened. 
But yeah, it was it was really good, and I'm interested in checking out more of his work. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of the best, and with good reason. Uh, Matt, uh, what would you say to Ariel? Like, what would you recommend? Like, what De Palma would you say? Hey, see this next. Um, for easy De Palma, I would honestly say something like Mission Impossible. Okay, okay. Uh, if you want to get a little more in depth with De Palma, I would say Dress to Kill or Blowout. All right then. Yeah, yeah. For me, because I mean, in, in Dress to Kill, I mean, you have one of Michael Caine's best performances, and in Blowout, you have what is actually John Travolta's best performance. All right then. Yeah. See now, now that I think about it, like there, are... and it's young and handsome Travolta, which is very nice. <laughs> Not very nice on the eyes. There, there are I think at least two levels of De Palma. There's De Palma being what's a good term nasty de palma kind of like oh a, yeah oh dress to kill yeah dress to kill um and <laughs> I'd, I'd even put blow under there because yeah. the the other de palma would be um mainstream blockbuster de palma which is, yeah. is also not too shabby i mean not too shabby maybe got mission impossible snake eyes um the untouchables i put that untouchables under there. uh scarface yes yes it, uh, yes mission to mars very underrated yes yes uh, but yeah, so two levels of De Palma. Um, yeah, I mean, Blowout. Do like a double feature of like Blowout and Mission Impossible. And you, you, right, then. That, that, that'd be a good start right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those are good ones. That's it. All right. Um, speeding along. <laughs> what did you watch, Ariel? I watched the Speed with Keanu Reeves. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a good movie. The bus that couldn't <laughs> slow down. Uh, not for real. I watched Speed Racer with uh, some friends on election night. Yes. <laughs> this is like legit one of my favorite movies of all time. And I actually have an interesting history with it. This was like the first movie I think I remember like actively wanting to see. Because I think I was at one time when I was, I think, seven or so. And I was in a theater waiting for a movie to start. And I saw the first trailer for it. And I was like, yes, I need to see this. And then like around the time it was coming out, my father wouldn't let me because he thought it would be too violent for me. Because since it was done by the guys who did The Matrix, well, okay. this sisters have made The Matrix now. But yeah, that's I don't want to get into details of that. The Matrix people. Yes, The Matrix people. The Wachowskis. <laughs> and then after that, uh, about... I want to say four years passed, and then I saw it at my local library, and I saw like, eh, I need to kill some time. Might as well pick this up. I've always wanted to watch it. And then after that, I was like, I'm never going to watch another movie the same way ever again. Like, and I mean, in the best <laughs> in the best way possible because I have yet to see a movie handle visual storytelling, brilliant editing, like this, like the in terms of like action scenes, this kinetic, joyous entertaining like and just downright insane in terms of like every single technical aspect i've yet to see something capture this the only movie i think i've ever seen that come close and this is just by like a small bit was george miller with mad max fury road okay okay and i mean that with the highest regard because i put like mad max fury Road on the same level of citizen kane <laughs> as i imagine a lot of people ought to do but what I think what I liked most about this movie that I don't think many people bring up is that I really like that there's a really strong bond between the characters in this film, like with uh, Speed's father and what he's dealing with uh, Speed crying, trying to do racing and what he lives with the torment of what happened with Racer X. And it's not a spoiler if you've seen the original show. It's probably public knowledge as well. But there's a really deep commercial uh, 
emotional connection between them and like what this whole thing means for the two of them. And that's what makes the ending so satisfying. And I know a lot of people like complain about the fact that it's way too long for like a kind of kids movie, but I feel like we underestimate the power of like patience when it comes to action movies or building up to the final event like this. Cause like I, upon rewatching this, I only noticed that there's only about, three or four race scenes in the entire film but each time they happen there's real value to once they do because they're just like you're, you're building up to the next moment you're waiting for that happen and once it does it just gives you everything you wanted and that's what i think is lacking sorely in action movies is that that feeling of anticipation just waiting for it ha- to happen not because like you're bored of like them talking about exposition because you're waiting to see what are they going to do next and i think that's what George Miller did really well with Fury Road is that he got that energy of just what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, but he just extended it instead of like small bits and pieces he extended the entire movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah that's that's my opinion on Speed Racer yeah, I uh, it's it's like a kaleidoscope dream, that movie, Speed Racer it's so pretty, uh, I do love it yeah. um, I, I had the uh, the great the honor of seeing that on the big screen earlier this year. Oh God, and I was thrilled. Each time I see it, it gets better and better. Um, when I think when I first saw it, I didn't think too much of it. I was pretty dumb back then. But like with every re- with every rewatch, I'm like, man, this is like an all timer. This is this is something mm-hmm. else. So yeah, I I, I love Speed Racer. I mean, it's my second favorite Wachowskis, and I love it so much. Yeah, I I, I uh, it'd be hard for me to rank the Wachowskis. I think they're unrankable. Like each one of their movies. I, oh, but I have. <laughs> I love pretty much everything they've done. Everything. I, I do too. From what I've seen of, I think the only one I haven't seen for them in terms of directorial efforts was uh, Cloud Atlas, and I'm really uh-huh. oh, that's that's probably that's my favorite. Probably their best. Um, uh, Top ten, Matt, right there. Yeah, if if I were to group together the Matrix trilogy, I think that would be my favorite. Um, oh God, I love the Matrix oh, trilogy so much. It's I, I I'm glad you're on the show, Ariel, because <laughs> I, I I love the Matrix trilogy except for that last five minutes. <laughs> that still works. That, it still works. It's, Come on, it's it's, it's uh, I don't know. It's yeah. just like we got to wrap this up, guys. No, you don't. <laughs> just just end it. It's fine. <laughs> you don't have to wrap this up. I don't need to see fake Oracle again. Uh, you kind of needed that. No. No. Yeah. Like, what? Come on. Res- no. Resolution. I don't like. I don't. I don't like fake Oracle. Fight. 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 I like original Oracle. At least we found something to disagree on, Matt. Yeah, it would have been completely unnormal if that didn't happen. <laughs> it would have been weird. Um. So yeah, the Wachowskis. I love them. Speaking. They're great. Speaking of like all timers, Matt. They're they're great outside of you know Jupiter ascending, but hey, whatever. Whoa. Jupiter ascending <laughs> is underrated. Under yeah, sure. I with him. Sure, sure. <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> I will defend that movie to the day I die. <laughs> like I unironically love that movie. Even oh, it's if- it's fun as hell, but it's not good. <laughs> no, it is. It's- what are you talking about? Jenny Raymond's performance in the movie is truly uh, more Oscar worthy than anything in his entire career. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a good. It's the most fun I've had with a Redmayne performance. I'll, I'll give it that. <laughs> um. Hey, uh, all timers, Matt. One of your girl timers. You rewatched it recently. I watched a movie that's in my top five of all time. All I time. watched Stan- Stanley Kubrick's final picture, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, um, which terrifies me 
every time I watch it. Uh, this is just a haunting dream of a movie uh, where it doesn't matter if the whole movie was a dream. Because guess what? It's great anyway. Who cares? Uh, I love Eyes Wide Shut so much. It's got my favorite Tom Cruise performance. Uh, uh, one of my favorite Nicole Kidman performances. Uh, I love Sidney Pollock in this movie. I I love... I don't know his name. Uh, he's the Russian guy who runs the costume shop. Oh, yeah. I don't know his name. And I feel that he plays the same character in every movie. Yeah. Like, what? Because I... Because I watched him in uh, the remake of Wreck. I watched Quarantine a few weeks ago, and he basically plays the same character in that as well. Isn't he the guy who uh, gets the coat from Bruce Wayne and Batman Begins? Maybe? I'm going to look this up. Anyway, keep talking about it. It might be, but yeah, Eyes Wide Shut is just... uh, Eyes Wide Shut is just an amazing experience, and I wrote about it the other day. I said this would make a great uh, Marriage is Terrifying double feature with uh, Gone Girl. No uh, because if there's one thing that Eyes Wide Shut says, it's that, uh, hey, marriage can be scary uh, because you can never fully trust your spouse. And uh, that's something that a lot of people have a fear of. And uh, it's something that a lot of people need to grasp with. Uh, this movie is, it's special to me. It's 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 weird to to hear about an underrated Kubrick because I don't think this movie has yet had that big critical turnaround that a lot of his other films have had. I mean, when Barry Lyndon first came out, no one really liked it. Uh, it was very low on people's radar, and now it's considered one of his best. Um, Eyes Wide Shut is still in the middle ground. I uh, but I just love it. I love it so much. It's beautiful. It's one of the prettiest movies I've seen. Uh, his use of uh, natural light and Christmas lights to actually light scenes uh, was a stroke of genius. I mean, I can't gush about Kubrick enough. I I love Eyes Wide Shut. It's my favorite Stanley Kubrick film. And a lot of people give me flack for that. But you know what? Whatever. I like what I like. And I like Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> Rade Serbegia. I, I'm not pronouncing that correct, but that's probably not. No, that's who it is. And I was right. He is in Batman Begins. He's the homeless man who takes the coat. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Great character actor. Yeah. Nice coat. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it, it's hard for me to rank. We, we've come across many rankings. I don't want to go through Matt in this episode. I don't want to rank Kubrick. I, 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 I mean, it's very hard. The shining Dr. Strangelove eyes wide shut. Jesus, that's like a three-way tie for me. Um, yeah, my uh, for me, honestly, my top three is Eyes Wide Shut, Clockwork Orange, and Barry Lyndon. Yeah, Jesus, uh, it's he's it's, good. He's pretty. He's pretty good. He's okay. He, he he didn't really make bad movies outside of you know Fear and Desire. Uh, you've seen that, right? Oh God, I, I have yet to see that. That's the one. Oh, that don't. I haven't seen that, and actually, I haven't seen uh, Barry Lyndon yet. Oh. Or, oh. or Lolita. I'm kind of... Oh. I'm slacking. Lolita's hilarious. Oh, you should see that. Yeah, I need to see it. Uh, Ariel. I mean, for its subject matter, it should not be funny, but I think, uh, I've read that you know Kubrick felt that the only way he could adapt this, adapt the book and get away with it is to make it into a dark comedy. Yeah. Really? Interesting. Uh, because that is very dark subject matter, and you can't really film it as such and get it released back then at all. Uh, so he's like, well, you know what? Okay, let's make it a, a dark comedy and uh, mess around with it. And uh, hey, it's got Peter Sellers, and he's great in it. Yeah, absolutely. He's a total creep in it, but he's great. <laughs> Peter Sellers is awesome. 
Uh, Ariel, your, your thoughts on Mr. Kubrick? I don't really have much on him. I've only seen The Shining. I think I watched it about, I think, a big over three years ago. And that's my only been my only Kubrick. I've actually been wanting to get more into him, but I'm kind of scared to because, uh-huh. like, if I end up like being that got asshole among the group of film friends who doesn't like Stanley Kubrick, I'm going to be legitimately crucified. Yeah, you will. <laughs> but I think I'm going to make an attempt to watch either Doctor Strange Love or uh, Clockwork Orange sometime in the next few weeks or so. See, Clockwork think, Orange is terrific. I think I think Kubrick's filmography is like diverse enough that I'm sure you're going to grasp on to another one of his movies and go, hey, this is actually pretty damn great. Yeah. There's a great chance of that happening because, hey... Well, it's already happening. Okay, new. I don't love... I don't really like, actually, Full Metal Jacket. I can say that right away. Um, so, that's me. I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> but anyway, um, I've seen... I, I remember loving The Shining, but I... It was at, I was at that age where, um, kind of where I was starting to slowly get into more film appreciation. So I was admiring more of like the technical aspects of why it was legitimately scary. But I'm curious to see what I'll think of it now because I gained more an antithesis of what I find scary. Because the thing I find scary most of all, in terms of horror movies or just movies in general, I find the concept of the unknown and how it's used terrifying. Because I like vagueness towards... Because that's the thing I've always thought was scary about The Shining was how it crossed that thin line between, like, is this supernatural? Is this just cabin fever? There's clear signs of both happening, but then it just kind of clashes together to the point where you don't... You start to question yourself in the same way that the characters are questioning themselves. And I think that's the moment where you realize that you're watching something really special is that where you feel like the movie itself is treating you like a character among these other characters that it's presenting to you yeah yeah <laughs> you kind of hit the nail on the head there um thank you i yeah i uh, <laughs> i i real quick before we move on uh, i i don't know if you guys heard i think matt you've heard because i've tweeted this out and I yes think, yeah. but uh there's a version of the shining out there and they compiled this together a few years ago, and somebody recently recreated it and put it online, where it's played, um, where it's two, 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 the Shinings going on at the same time, but one is going forwards, the other is going backwards, and they're superimposed on each other. And what it's supposed to prove is that there's symmetry in the movie, uh, possibly not intentional, but if, you, but you could kind of pull things out of it and say, hey, maybe Kubrick was that much of a genius that he could, you know, build this movie pretty much perfectly uh, and certain scenes overlapping each other are kind of like eerily perfect. So, yeah, um, if you've seen the movie Room 237, I think that's what it's called, they they, they mention it, they talk about it. So, yeah, um, it's out there. Somebody, I, I actually tried to do this years ago. I tried to build that myself. Where you superimpose these two movies going at the same time, forwards and backwards, The Shining. Um, I need to see that in that way because that sounds uh, like mind melting. <laughs> so, um, so hey, that was Kubrick. So now, the final film on the roster. Ooh. Matt, you saw something. For November, I uh, went to. Barnes and Noble for their little, you know, Criterion sale that's going on right now. And I picked up uh the Cohen Brothers Blood Simple. Oh 
my God, I am so glad I finally saw this. Uh, this was actually the, uh, the first movie I watched in the new apartment. And this is a very creepy movie to watch in a dark apartment when there's no one else around. Uh, Blood Simple tells the story of a uh, bar owner and his wife, played by Frances McDormand. Uh, listeners will obviously know her from Fargo and other such things. Um, and he's cheating on... She's cheating on her husband with the guy from The Fly. The, 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 you know, the bad guy from The Fly? Is, is he the bad guy from The Fly? Is that's that John. Yeah, that's the the guy from The Fly. I guess I never made that connection. Huh. Yeah, neither did I because I I had to look it up. But yeah, he had a beard in The Fly, and that's oh, why I didn't recognize him. That's why. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Tricky. And uh, I mean, yeah, everyone there they're great. Dan Hedaya is great. Um, yeah, no, the standout here is M. Emmett Walsh, uh, <laughs> who uh, you know you probably know him as the uh, the police chief from Blade Runner, a couple yeah, years before yeah. this. Uh, oh my God, he gives one of the creepiest performances. I've ever seen. Uh, he plays basically like a private detective for hire, and he, you know, he does some shady stuff here, there on the side. And I don't want to say any more because that'll just spoil it. But I will say that people need to see and seek out Blood Simple. Uh, it was made in '84, so you're probably going to be expecting uh, something a bit, you know, not as good as it is because you know the mid '80s were, you know, they could be pretty cheesy at times and. There's nothing 80s about this movie. Uh, it's 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 very it's very of its time, but it's also very modern in its sensibilities. Um, I kind of want to rewatch this. I want to do a double feature of this and No Country for Old Men because I feel that Blood Simple is like a prototype for that for that film. Uh, yeah, I love Blood Simple. This movie was great. I actually want to watch it again. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you finally, very soon. I'm glad you finally saw it, Matt, because I I I'm. Hold on. My cat... Stop it. <laughs> it's a, already a disaster. Um, my... Um, I was going to say my cat. <laughs> Man, this... Your cat loved this movie. My cat loves this movie. I love this movie. I'm glad you finally saw it. Um, I was. I think I was one of the people who really persuaded you, hey, Matt, see Blood Simple, please. Yeah, I, Blood I think I, I, had, I had sent you a message saying, hey, I'm going Criterion shopping, what should I get? And your first response was Blood Simple. Yes, <laughs> because I had recently purchased it and rewatched it and fell in love with it again. Um, I mean, we were talking about Thief earlier in this episode, mm-hmm. and this is much like Thief. Like, right out of the gates, the Coen brothers, made, they, they made a classic. They made a film yeah. that kind of stands as like a prototype for the rest of their filmography. And it's it, it it it's still so effective to me. Like everything in it is is beautiful. Um, I love the score. The score has actually been playing in my head this last month. Like, yeah, I was very happy to find that score on uh, Apple Music. Oh, it's it's, it's on. Uh, it's actually on a uh, double CD that they had put out years ago. Carter Burwell put out a. Uh, it's uh, the first half of the album is uh, Raising Arizona. The second half is Blood Simple, and I've been listening to the Blood Simple score constantly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's genius. I, Real talk. Okay, oh, Yeah, go ahead, Ariel. Real talk for a second. Can we just say? I want to say up front: Is Carter Burwell like one of the most underrated composers, like in terms of recognition, like ever? I think so. Like, like I have not seen someone like fully give credit to how good this guy is in terms of what he can compose in terms of music like he has composed some of the like some of the best pieces of film music i forget ever because one of my main judges of film music is not just to be memorable but really add a sense of meaning added meaning towards what is going on with the visuals because 
a great visual alone, the old age old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. But if you have something to help those visuals enhance them even more and not just ease the audience into what emotion they're trying to say is something really admirable. I think about his work, especially with the Carol soundtrack and, um, one of his underrated works, I think, is the Hudsucker Proxy. If you haven't heard the soundtrack for that or seen that movie, I highly recommend it. Um, Matt, again, I mean, I'm so happy that you sold it simple. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it again, and I can't wait to watch the special features because they have a new interview with M.M. Uh, M. at Walsh, and uh, yeah, I love yeah. that guy. I've always liked that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I spent my whole day uh, when I bought that Blu-ray just digging through those special features, and oh, I mean, th- it, it's like... Uh, they Criterion ha- has this and Inside Lu- Lewin Davis from earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Those two like releases are like best, some of the best of the year. Like mean, re- Criterion, or regardless, and yeah, uh, that that uh, Telestrator special feature with the, the Coens and Barry Sonnenfeld, That's an all timer right there. The director of Nine Lives, <laughs> <laughs> the, aka the best movie, the cinematic event of 2016, <laughs> the movie I no joke have seen three times. Oh boy! <laughs> and on that insanity. We can end the show. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Ariel, for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. It was yeah, it was a fun time, Matt. Right? We try to we try to have good times, yes. and I did have a good time. I think we had a very good time. Um, before I got to be a part of it. Before we let you go, Ariel, plugs. Where can the fine folks listening find you online? We can find me on Twitter at ArielRocks5. You can find me on Letterbox at the same username. And you can also find me on Facebook if you want to contact me or start a conversation. I'm under Samantha Walker. Awesome. Do that, folks. Matt, before you pass out completely, uh, <laughs> plugs. Me hasn't already. <laughs> yeah. Plugs. Where can the people listening find you online? As usual, you can find me on Twitter at the real Matt C, and you can find me under on Letterboxd under the same name to make sure I'm not lying about what movies I've been watching. And you can also find me over on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash pixels and reels. And you can also now find my little musings over at talkfilmsociety.com, where I am the managing editor. Yes, managing editor Matt. That's who you are. As for me, um, I mean... We just say manager. <laughs> There's money in the banana stand. So, uh, <laughs> as for me, follow me. Uh, actually, yeah, my main plug. You know, forget everything um, that that I'm gonna say. Here's my main plug: talkfilmsociety.com. Talkfilmsociety.com. Go there, read things, enjoy. I, I, we've gone from a shitty Tumblr page to a website <laughs> that I'm sure you didn't share your website. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. That's not the case, but hopefully you will enjoy the website. Uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the, 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 the articles, the, the columns that we have there. And, and yeah, another big thing is we have a, a more pleasing, uh, uh, pleasing environment for you to go through our catalog of podcasts. We have, at this point, I think over 120 podcast episodes out there. Not not of Hey, What You're Watching, but in total of... Uh, I was just about to point out, you guys lied to me. <laughs> I mean, uh, the the Talk From Society podcast, uh, Die Hard for National Film Industry podcast, the podcast Where It Happens, the Hamilton podcast, uh, Colorado Street. God damn, there's so many podcasts. All of those are on the website. Um, and yeah, 
I mean, talkfilmsociety.com, talkfilmsociety.com. That's it. Again, Ariel, thanks. You're welcome. I'm yeah. glad I got to be a part of it, and thank you, Matt, for inviting me. Yeah, thank you so much. Super fun. You're <laughs> welcome. Super fun. And Matt, before we go, it's time for our signature catchphrase. So long, and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for listening, folks, and keep on watching. Oh, yeah, that one. Thank you.